This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. You're very welcome to Second Captains at the Irish Times just two days after the GA announced its new TV rights. To- two days? Seems Feels like, like Sky long. have already started broadcasting these yeah. matches. Uh, yeah, two days which have been filled with heated debate. The barbarians are inside the gate. <laughs> A lot of heated debate, Murph. A lot of reasons and intelligent with one or two maybe less well-thought-out comments thrown in there. Yeah, well, there was a caller to a well-known radio show yesterday yeah. who... Uh, said, um, uh, you know, that it, it, terrible, you know, I, I can't believe that this has happened, you know. And uh, then the presenter of the show... Joe Duffy's a presenter. Like yeah, well, okay, let's, let's just... Let's, let's <laughs> not be around the bush. The the show. Everyone let's knows it. There are other radio shows out there, but Joe Duffy's... Not as Joe Duffy's lifeline. Yeah. So the caller said... This is, this is an outrage. And Joe Duffy said... I can't believe it. Joe, Joe Duffy said, well, you know, the GPA have come out in favour of it. And uh, the caller said, ah, yeah, but sure, those lads didn't kick a ball in their lives. It's the Gaelic... Players Association. <laughs> so uh, fronted up by men like Donald O'Cusack yeah. and Desi Farrell. And yeah, kind of so I, you know, I just think that you know there, there, ha- there has been a, quite a big reaction to this, and unfortunately, it seems that the m- less people know about the situation, the more outraged they are, mm. which is not good. That's not good for the quality of public discourse. Well, this is something that we talked uh, that we talked to Desi Dolan about last night in TV about whether or not the players. Uh, if this is another thing that's going to edge them towards some sort of a revolt or uprising. I don't know if that's quite going to happen just yet. But See, the thing is, no one's, you know, it's not like people are, there are people other than the players making out like bandits here. Fact of the matter is, they make money, they give it back to clubs and communities. I mean, I say the words clubs and communities, I'm hearing the words grassroots and I'm getting yeah. annoyed with myself. Yeah. But this is actually the case. This is what happens. Right. So... 
there isn't a market to pay all of the players. So what do you do? Like, do you start giving them 50 quid a week? Yes. 50 quid a month during the, during the championship Are season? Are you telling me half a loaf is the same as no bread? Is that, is that what your argument boils well, down I mean, to? Well, I mean, if you can't play, is, the, if you can't play one players slice of bread, grand a week... Then is one slice of bread basically just an insult? Well, it's 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 it may be even the why token is the, payment. But, but, why is this specific thing, uh, this specific deal, an issue in that context when already the GA make money from t- other TV stations, from advertising, from, all, from loads of commercial ways? And yeah, the well, the advertising is the advertising is a point is a, is a point as well. You know, I mean, if they're, if they're making money with commercial deals based on the back of the players, then, you know, I think I think the players deserve a slice of that well, too. But, you know, you, the, the point that you were asking about was TV stations. Well, if, if, if you're talking about TV stations that everyone can watch mm. without having to pay beyond what they already have to pay, then I don't think... Uh, I think that's but they fine. can, of course I mean, they can. The, this is the... There's still what is it, 31 games? 31 games on, on, RT, on RT. Yeah. So you're talking. Yeah, but you've taken away what percentage of the of the matches now? Have you taken away? Well, you took away nine. Third. Well, no, well, you took away nine that were shown on TV three last year. Quarter yeah. of the matches. Yeah, and a third of the games that are going to be on that are going there to be shown live. There are more games. Some, Sky yeah. are showing four. So the, the issue is nine games that were on TV three last year yeah. that you can't watch. I mean, you can still watch 31 games uh, over 100 on free air. Yeah, uh, tell you over but, the course of the year. Yeah, well, look, I, I don't have a run with it, but I do find it uh, amazing that uh, they can continue to centrally profit without sharing the proceeds with the people who are doing all the work. Yeah, like the, to be honest, <laughs> how long are they going to be able to, to keep doing that? I think it's ama- it's an amazing thing that people are prepared to to go along with this sort of uh, you know to give and give and give and get nothing back. But the GAA will say Quite they're remarkable. a non-profit. They're, they're, they're not doing this to make, as Murph says, to make out like bandits themselves. Uh, this, the money that comes in from these TV deals goes back through the clubs. It doesn't pay a, play, a wage to a player, but it does help strengthen the, and, the know, GAA generally as opposed to... Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and when people say the GAA are making loads of money, that's, you know, when people, GAA people say to each other, the GAA, Crow Park is making a huge amount of money out of this. And Crow Park to mean the central governing uh, yeah. heart of the GA. It's as if there are two separate things, but they're not actually two separate things. The fact of the matter is that GA people is the GA. There is no other GA. There's not a separate GA that's making loads of money. The fact of the matter is that money comes in, that money is redistri- redistributed. That's like 40 million last year down to clubs. Hmm. That, the, that's just the point of it. The, the, the thing about putting games on pay television is that not everyone can watch it. I mean... Uh, if you know, we're we're talking about a kind of a community organisation where people are are putting in voluntary hours and effort and supporting it essentially through the goodness of their hearts, but then you're saying that not everybody can can watch well, it. Those people are, are, are doing the, those things abroad as well, and they can watch it in Sky Sports. Well, but, well I, this isn't this is another major uh, weird thing about this argument. This bizarre notion, which seems to have slipped by unquestioned, that uh, apparently. Um, international rights and domestic rights have to be packaged in the same deal. It's complete nonsense. Look at the Premier League. Premier League does does a domestic television deal with partners for domestic rights, and then has international. So you can stick deals. with TV three in Ireland and South of Sky Sports. Of course, there's would, nothing would, stopping but, you. No, there's nothing stopping you. Except if, would Sky be interested? If, would, would Sky be interested in that deal? Well, why, why wouldn't they at the right price? Sky are always going to be interested in, in content at the right price. They might not feel that it's a strong enough well, the, product to show exclusively in the UK. Clearly, if you're showing GA, you would like to be showing it in Ireland because a lot of people well, if, are going to. Subscribe I mean, if you're telling me that Sky don't even think this stuff would be worth showing for free, then I don't think. This argument, yeah, but GA, the, the GA don't want to. They they reckon they have a strong product that they can sell. 
So that's why they're doing it. You know, and Sky aren't going to show it for free and the G aren't going to give it away for free. Well, don't you see the inconsistency in that? I mean, if Sky are prepared to pay to show this stuff, then the GAA could do a deal with Sky or with any other TV company to show, to show them in, in various yeah, other countries around the world. I don't think, in fairness, that the GAA are saying that it's the international element is the only element of it. I mean, they, they like the idea of getting involved with Sky and they also like the idea, I'm I sure, that in, three, that in three years' time that there will be four people, uh, four companies more than likely uh, bidding for their product, which is Sky Sports, the new UTV channel, TV3 and RTE thereby making quite a the bit GA's of money. The commercial people, another, another strand that's been mentioned a few times is that this should have gone to Congress. It should have been debated by all members. I don't know about that. I think you have to be able to make make some moves and make some deals without necessarily bringing... And also, you're talking about negotiations here. With Are, are companies going to hang around and see every detail of a financial transaction debated in? I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a fair point, but I w- what I will say is that... they. Once they make that deal, the GA have gone ahead with it. They do have to be prepared for vigorous debate, which is what makes Liam O'Neill's comments yesterday pretty disappointing. I thought he's talking about the prime time in particular, RTE in general, saying last night's performance for RTE was shocking. You know about balance and fair play, uh, and you know what happened last night was not fair. Uh, the tenor of their whole coverage, these people are meant to be our partners. I haven't expressed it to them yet, but I will. I, I didn't like that personally because one of the things about the GA that we've noticed in the job that we work in or I've noticed anyway is that you can generally they're quite open to debate and actually they're reasonably thick skinned uh, maybe they're proud of the fact that they're built on this democratic process where everybody gets to have a say and the media is generally included in that and you, you know it, 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 it's, they're not usually ones to take the hump over what is reasonable debate in this case I think they have done that I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with anything that was on prime time Nicky Brennan was on there Pork Duffy was on there tough questioning sure but it is a, a current affairs show there's yeah. no point having them on just, and the idea that I, I, these are people are meant to be your partners I haven't expressed it I, I was a bit I think that's the one misstep the GA have made, actually, is uh, yeah, bringing all that up. Yeah, mentioning that they're partners. It's, you know, that's, it's ridiculous. You know, like, if you go on a show like Primetime, what do you expect? Mm. You know, that's what you're going to get. And to be honest, the Pork Duffy interview was, uh, was tough. There was a lot of tough questions in it. But after that, it was basically... You know, it was just a debate a where debate there were more different people on different yeah, more speakers in favour of the deal than against. All right, listen, we'll talk more about that in just a second. Later on, we're chatting Rob Penny with David Wallace. Delighted to have a Munster legend like David Wallace on the show today because uh, the Heineken Cup quarter final against Toulon is going to be refereed by Nigel Owens. Rob Toulouse, Penny uh, against, yep. against Toulouse, I should say. Rob Penny says that Nigel Owens will hopefully have his game face on, so he's continuing this uh, idea of uh, Munster coaching team talking about referees. Uh, not sure he did have actually I was a bit flippant there he did have some very intelligent points to make about refereeing standards in general and the whole structure of how the sport is refereed in Europe he's got a lot of frustrations uh, some of which are very interesting but it seems strange that they're all being aired in the build up to a Heineken Cup quarter final we'll talk to David Wallace about that in a little while but Carl Mannion and Anthony Moyles are in studio guys thanks very much for coming in no problem we need to establish positions on this uh, divisive issue um, Anthony yeah, for or against? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm for it. I'm for it. I just want to see what Carl is like here. <laughs> What's your reasoning for being for it? Um, my reasoning for it, um, a number of reasons, really. One of the main reasons, I think, is is that, look, you know, if you're looking at the GAA and the GAA want to be progressive and the GAA want to move to the next level, um, 
you know, there's there's moving to the next level within Ireland. Um, but then you have to say, well, why not move to the next level outside of Ireland? You know, it's it's, it's a game that could travel. Um, it's a game that could be played. Like, I mean, I played it in the States years ago. Um, and, you know, the Americans, and not even just the Irish Americans, like the actual Americans who, who were even on the team, guys who played a bit of NFL, or not NFL, but American football, and guys who played different sports, they were mad into it. They loved it. They loved the physicality of, of, of it. They loved the speed of it, the, the high scoring of it. Um, so it could travel. Um, and I can see this has to be a move where you need to kind of ex- expand the focus. You need to expand the, fo- the exposure of it. Um, and doing it through obviously TV um, is, 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 is the main way of doing it. And missing a, people at home missing a few games a year is the price you have to pay essentially. Well, yeah, like, I mean, you know, is the price you have to pay? Like, people are going on about the costs of it, you know, and the fact that, like, I mean, Satanta Sports brought in a package, okay, albeit it was about the league, but no one batted an eyelid about it, you know? So, um, you know, there are some games that are going to be missed out on, um, you know, People should either A, go to those games. I know Michal and heard was talking about the older people or the infirmed people. Um, but, like, I mean, you were never going to get to see every game anyway, even last year, you know, with TV3 and with, with, with RTE. So, like, it's a situation where I feel um, a number of, of, of the people who are involved at the moment and the people who are probably most threatened at the moment um, are a little bit worried about the level that Sky will come in at and, and what they'll do with regard to competition. Okay, Carl? Yeah, I'm going second and maybe you're looking for me to kind of come across a couple of things Anthony's saying, but uh, no, I would be forward as well. Right, okay. Uh, I think the way that, in fairness, on the playing side, the way the game is developing, the way teams are prepared now, how much that's kind of coming into in line with other sports, that it's only natural that the GEA on the administration side, media side, are going to kind of come uh, develop as well. Uh, I think in the last 20, 30 years, you can see the GEA has become a lot, lot more progressive. They're branching out into an awful lot of things. They've, they've, uh, they've thrown away rules that have been ingrained in the association for years and years. Uh, and I think, in fairness, you have to take them at face value in what they're saying about the exposure uh, they were looking to get around the world. Uh, they have been doing that in other in other spheres within the GEA. If you talk about their presence uh, of high-ranking officials at uh, events overseas, the continued uh, development of the international rules. I know at times people are saying international rules not going anywhere, but they, they continue to push it. Uh, the involvement of New York and London consistently, and they're always encouraging them more and more in the in the championship. So like the overseas uh, exposure is a massive thing, obviously, for the GEA. They're very consistent on it, and this is just another aspect of it. That's all well and good, but we had Desi Dolan on uh, the TV show last night, and he was making the point that look, you know, it's fine. They're 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 branching out. It's not that he's against spreading the game or anything like that, but he said already the players are putting in uh, from the point of view of actually playing the game are putting in a huge amount and getting nothing out of it financially. And uh, you're seeing another transaction now being done with a, a big company like Sky. People in Ireland and in the UK having to pay money to that company yeah. to see the football and the hurling that's played. And the players, again, don't get it. He, he, I think he sees it as another, just another element of players not really getting their dues within the Yeah, I think if you break it down, though, financially, the increase is between 1.5 and 2 million. So as opposed to last year, the year before, there's not actually that much of an increase. And I think it's, it's the development of this relationship with Sky that's going to be the issue. If down the line, after the three years is up, then it becomes a bigger and a bigger contract and Sky get more and more control then I think that's more of a relevant argument at that stage. I think at the moment it's still small potatoes financially-wise compared to deals at Premier League and whatever else it has. But uh, 
it's it's only a small increase. I think the the GA have it really well under control. They have them showing a certain amount of games exclusively per year, and it's for three years. I think mm-hmm. the GA are going to see how it goes for three years and then review it after that time. Liam O'Neill, sorry, Anthony. You want to yeah, no, there? no. Just just to reiterate that, I think that you know if you look at what the GA have done over the last number of years, um. You only have to travel down the country, you know, get on any train, head down the country, you look outside as you go along. Most, even kind of one-horse towns, one of the best elements of it are, is the actual GA field. You know, you've got, you've got pitches with stands in it now in places that, you know, hardly have, you know... Uh, Enough people to fill it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and like, I mean, the development, like, I mean, they're putting massive money this year, I know, into, into Casement Park to redevelop that. And like, I mean, every year, they're not doing it for profit. You know, it, like, I mean, it does get, it gets, it gets filtered back. Um, and, you know, this argument of whether you play the top players, and like, I mean, I would have been kind of, like when I played, you would kind of say you would like something back. But but then at the end of the day, you know, how that's done is a whole different kettle of fish, you know. Like, I mean, and that causes a, a major, major, major ructions. And I think um, most player, players accept that. I, I think even over the last few years, probably the way the economy has gone, any sort of pay-for-play stuff seems to have, have died away, really, you know. But uh, this, it seems to have resurfaced somewhat now. I th- with you know, I, I think an interesting point to make out of all of this is that, and even speaking to Desi Offair, is that he's in Division 1, and obviously Westmead have had a really, really tough time. They've lost their six games uh, in Division 1 this year. And he was just blown away by the amount of money that he could see the teams that he was playing against in Division 1 had at their disposal to prepare the teams, you know? So I think if we're talking about money, maybe rather than talking about pay-for-play for players, Mm. you're talking about levelling out the playing field so that the huge sort of commercial advantages that Dublin or Cork would have, the money available to even Mayo and Kerry that they've been able to spend over the last couple of years to try and spread that money around, to give uh, teams like uh, Roscommon, teams like uh, Mead, whoever, you know, to level out Westmead in particular. But is is the TV money not coming in on the back of Dublin and the bigger teams? That's the big argument. You know, like what Sky are buying probably is... uh, these full grounds, Crow Park full in August, full in September. These are amazing occasions. That, that like that's the the sexy stuff that that Sky are it buying. It would be nice if the GA came out with. I don't know if there is an obligation to come out with more detail on exactly how they'll spend the money. Is that a is, there, is that something that they did it with Crow Park? You know, yeah. the Crow Park money. Say, look, this, the, the, this is the well. They don't necessarily. They're not going to give the exact amount of money, but I don't know. Maybe they they sort of throw out this eighty percent thing. Eighty percent of it goes to clubs, but do they need to be more specific than that as to what they're going to do with this? Well, I think at you know the end of the year they give financial. Like I mean, they have financial review and everything else, and you can actually kind of you can go into that. You know, if if if, if you have the, the the desire to do it, you can go in and see what what exactly how the finances are laid out. Is it possible to do what Kieran's talking about and taking and and try to somehow take funnel it down through the clubs and counties and even things out? Uh, I don't know. Just to develop the the point that I made there, it's not to the clubs. Basically what Sky are buying is the intercounty game. Mm -hmm. So instead of and like obviously there are clubs struggling all the time and whatever money the GA get you can funnel that to the clubs as well. But if if Sky decide to get on board in three years' time and show 30 or 40 more games on top of the RTE that are showing, they're still going to show their 30 games probably. Like, that money, if we could put that into the county teams and try and level out the playing field as much as possible, I mean, I don't know, like, I'm 
Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That, that's a possibility. Now, but but at the same time, you know, as strong as a county is at negotiating with their own deal, you know, like I mean, yeah. Dublin obviously can negotiate their own deal with whoever they want, Vodafone, AIG, you know. So, it it, it unless what you do, Murph, is that you actually create a, a, a central fund of 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 kind of like a pool of funds that. Uh, companies can come in and they actually want to invest. Well, they invest in the central fund, and and there's a cap on maybe on yeah. on what you can actually put in. Yeah. So there's a cap of five or whatever it is million per contract, um, and anything in excess of that goes into the fund and gets divvied out. That could be a possibility. And a cap on spending for every county board. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, look, there's no. It's it's very easy to to kind of you you can map it. The more money that goes into a county and the more money that goes into preparation over the long run or even over the short and medium term, you generally get the results. You know, so like I mean, some counties who just don't have the money um, and they weren't being provided with the funds either through sponsorship or whatever, um, they're always on the back foot. The thing is, there's so many stakeholders there involved in that kind of arrangement. I'd say it would be an extremely difficult thing to kind of get everyone around the table. And to agree to us, not only do you need 32 county boards, you also need sponsors to agree with this. Like, would AIG be happy to say that we'll sponsor Dublin for so long, but exactly. we're happy with a portion of that money going yeah, down to exactly. somewhere around the country? It's a business now. It's, it's commercial and it's more commercial than it's ever been. So, like, with all this, the constant is the GEA. The, the GEA has to be the entity that leads on this and sets down the parameters around something like that. Like, I would find it very difficult to see Dublin or AIG, for that matter, agreeing to some of the money being divvied out to other counties. Unfortunately, it's not a level playing field at the moment. Population centres dictate the amount of money that a place can generate. You see it in America, within American football, the big population centres have all the teams, the media can generate all the publicity around teams, that's where the money comes in. You don't see teams rarely in small towns, there's only a couple of them. And that's the same way here. The population centres dictate a lot here as well. Like Dublin are always going to have the biggest sponsorship. So Murphy, your socialist ideal is not going to necessarily <laughs> you know, it, it Basically what this boils down to is jealousy at Dublin's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> ability to generate funds. But I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a, an area worth exploring. We were talking earlier on about Liam O'Neill, what he had to say about RT and Primetime and their coverage of this story, which he feels is unfair. Now, the point that I was making to Kieran earlier was that one of the things I like about the GAA is, and certainly covering it from a media point of view, is they're generally thick-skinned enough and, the, and that debate is encouraged or certainly not uh, clamped down upon in any way. But the, the comments from Leo O'Neill talking about the tenor of the RT coverage, these people are meant to be our partners. I haven't expressed it to them yet, but I will. Uh, says there was no balance uh, in prime time, no fair play, all these kind of things. Is it From the point of view of the GAA, once you make a decision like this, do you have to be prepared that not everyone's going to just fall in line and... and um, and be delighted about it because I don't know if you saw Prime Time, but I watched and I, it's, yeah. it seemed reasonably balanced to me. Yeah, I thought it was pretty balanced. I think like the GEA had two representatives there, uh, the current Doris Johor and a former president. Eugene McGee then was on the panel as pretty much a neutral. There was a couple of people in the crowd that had, uh, relayed views that they weren't in favour of it. But I think Prime Time's uh, show came so soon after the announcement that they were reacting to the knee-jerk reaction that happened straight away. So immediately there was a lot of bad publicity yeah. out of that and I think Primetime reacted to that and they asked the tough questions that it came out with that knee-jerk reaction and I think that's the reason there was a couple of tough questions. But I think if... But, they, but the tough questions surely are there to, to be asked. To come. It, it, yeah. it is a current affair show as well yeah. as you have to go on and, and expect some like they had like to that. They had to reflect I think what the, uh, the gen- a lot of the general population are thinking and what was being reported straight away. Like I think the, I think they handled it pretty well in the end. So the, the, G- 
so the GA have maybe overreacted in this sense but or I do think a bit too thin-skinned or do you think that it's possibly legitimate? I think they have they answered it pretty well though that I think they, they did stand up for themselves well and they they, or, they showed or why it was for themselves or or no the GA, the GA did stuff okay, for yeah. they showed good reasons why they wanted to go with this and like, yeah. I thought it was a pretty good discussion yeah like I the one thing I would say is that the GA shouldn't come out and say uh, the RTE are our partners you know as thereby you know saying well you know we're in business with you so you should look you should have our backs on this yeah. you know I like I don't see that at all I mean if you're going on primetime it's a current affairs show yeah. to, to expect them to kind of uh, soft shoe around the issue just because they're they're media partners. I don't I don't see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think maybe he meant like, and I don't know, but it might have been that like, look, they're they're they have been with them for so long, and they're the predominant, mm. they're their dominant partner with regard to you know what goes on. I think I think one of the the, the fallbacks of this is is the fact that. You know, it, it, it is. It was a reactive thing. I, I, I think if it was probably a day or so later, it might have been, and probably the communication of it, just the communication, that, like the rumours last week of the deal, um, and then the way it came out. I think the communication could have been a whole lot better about explaining exactly the deal and explaining, as you say, exactly how things are going to go. You know, if there's a if there's a big increase in revenue from it or whatever. So there was only kind of bits and pieces coming out eventually. Where I think I think that's the way to do it, and probably give people some comfort. Um, like at the end of the day. Sky are an organisation. They're an entity. They're a business entity. Um, and if they see an opportunity to 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 raise revenue from whatever means, they're going to take it, um, and they're going to trial it. The GAA at the same time are saying, well you know what, we want to move this on um, we need to move this on and we feel that this is where, this is this is how we're going to gain that exposure. How else do you think that the GA could have handled the communication of the news because, the, as you said it was late last week when a lot of the stories came out. Up to then I think they'd been tight-lipped about it. Certainly a couple of the reports that you read from journalists are that they were, weren't giving anything away during the negotiations. So the Sky thing had been had been mooted once or twice, but people still didn't necessarily think it was going to happen up until late last week when it looked pretty likely uh, and almost certain then was confirmed earlier on this week. At what point do you think something could have been done? Well, or, yeah. or what was the issue with the communication? Just, just I think, I think what a lot of people and, and you know maybe it was just some people around and so, as it was as as the night the prime time thing fell. I think there just was a little bit of confusion around it, um, and and people then just straight away kind of went on the the four hundred euro kind of thing, mm. and it was labelled as the four hundred euro to get Sky. You know, I was listening to. Uh, a radio show yesterday on RTE um, and the first seven or eight callers were kind of all against it. Um, and like, I mean, some people might say, well, you know, what agendas are being driven here? Um, but of, of the seven or eight callers, six had Sky Sports and Sky Movies, <laughs> you know, already. Mm. So I'm kind of saying, you know, like, there is there is something going on here. Um, like, I mean, it is, the decision has been made, but like an awful lot of decisions that have been made in the previous years with, with, with the GAA, be it opening up Crow Park to rugby, be it, you know, sponsorship, there was always a major, major yeah. backlash. It was the death knell of the GAA yeah. every the single time, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely, yeah. and no one could see, well, hold on. And to be fair to the GAA, They've always done it very well. Like I mean, they've always they've always managed to do it with with, with a bit of class, and they've always managed to do it as a, as an all encompassing thing. Like be it concerts, you know, and this grab all association, like fellas giving out about yeah. Garth Brooks. If it was on in the Aviva, mm-hmm. fellas would be giving out that it was on in the Aviva, and why wasn't it on? In and the yeah, yeah, it's like the GA missed a, missed a trick there. Yeah. You know? the thing is, well, like the GA are doing a business deal at the end of the day for the benefit of the association. They don't really need this to be playing out in the media for a month prior to the actual deal getting closed. 
like how do they know how Sky would react if there was a re- amount of really bad press about this deal would Sky pull out would have reduced the amount of money they can get out of Sky in the end like in fairness when it comes to big business either that whether it be the GEA or any entity uh, in business around it, you can't be disclosing any details about this as much as possible leading up to the actual deal being closed yeah. you don't know how bad press or bad rep- bad kind of perception of it is going to affect the actual deal so you think the they, they handled it okay in that sense yeah I think so uh, the other thing that's going on is that the league is finishing up this weekend the, the final games are on in the Allianz League of oh, yeah, the regular season there's actually <laughs> the sport goes on yeah yeah, yeah. live and on TG Carr we football, should say probably yeah. at this juncture yeah there's football be- partners. before the uh, before the GA Championship as well it's called the league it is on at the weekend and it's a, I don't know at this uh, there's always this debate about how much league games matter and I think people accept that probably more and more you do see the better teams playing better championship teams playing well in the league but that said when you get to this stage and the first division is so wide open at the moment is it quite important for managers now to see their teams taking shape and actually playing some proper championship intensity football? Yeah, certainly it is. Uh, especially with the way semi-finals and finals that were also played in Crow Park and the quality of opposition you could be playing when you get to those semi-finals and finals. Yeah, they're the best barometer, the best measure, uh, the best way you can prepare a team for your for the summer games when they're obviously hoping to be in Crow Park for all our quarterfinals and semi-finals. Like whoever ends up getting in with the with Derry and Cork, like you know they want to be playing against the likes of Dublin and Crow Park in the summer. Mm. Uh, they want to play against the likes of Kerry and Crow Park in the summer. So if you play them now in a in a, in a really tough league game semi-final or final, like it's it's a massive benefit. The players become familiar with their surrounds and familiar with the team in that surround. Yeah, I, th- I think there are two really interesting games, even in Division One this week, in that. Dublin have to go up to Oma and they have to win to get into a semi-final. And is there a more intimidating place to play football than Oma? Probably not. I wouldn't have thought, you know. Mm. And it's probably exactly what Jim Gavin wants, really. You know, how much more is he going to get out of this league? Even if they win the league, it's not like it's a big, big thing for him. But if he finds out on Sunday, you know, that two of his young lads can have a bit of metal to them, have a bit of steel to them. I mean, Oma is the place probably to, to find that out more so than any other venue in Ireland. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I mean, and, and that's exactly what he will look for, uh, Murph. You know, he's not, you know, win it this year, you know, or not. Just avoid relegation, number one, you know, so, so confidence isn't low. Try out a lot of new players, try different systems, but then try and see, can you one out one or two uh, yeah. younger guys, and as, as you say, who have the metal and who showed probably the metal, say, of that McCaffrey would have showed in the last number of years and these fellas coming through so that that's that's what he's going to be looking for or the other way around one or two lads don't show up and you, you start you start asking questions about them yeah absolutely like I mean look as Carl said you know even when you're you know a, a, shall we say a senior player um, on, on a panel these are the games you wanted to be involved yeah. in the league you didn't necessarily want to be involved in <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. you were kind of you were still working off the old Christmas you know but these are the you're games you're strong by oh the, look if you're not if you're not absolutely flying this time of the year you know and really really want and, you, and first thing is you want to start getting into the theme now you know like I mean this is you want to start setting your Mark again, um, but this this is this is when you want to be. Carly, you the same. You as unenthused in uh, at the start of February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like F- FPD, like was one of the things I was happy to miss over the years playing with the club. Like you know, miss just seeing the hamstring off, and you know, in January you <laughs> yeah. want to watch those hamstring injuries. <laughs> just just precautionary, of course. It was yeah. also another benefit of getting to a couple of club finals. Like you didn't have to go back so early, <laughs> but uh, no, no, certainly like these games, uh, like they are the ones that the senior players and the team needs to be getting shaped for. Like uh, you can't get enough of the games where like there's really is something on the line. 
Uh, and when it does come to the latter stages and there is semi-final plays up for grabs and the chance to play in Crow Park in two big games, like that's where yeah, the metal does get tested. Yeah. You, the more you play it, no matter how senior, the more you play those games, the more comfortable you will become the big games in the summer. Yeah, and Cork, Cork, and Cork are going to carry as well, having already qualified. So it's nearly a free shot for that Cork team. But I mean, a lot of people would have seen them on TG Cahar again. Like, I'm getting pretty excited about this Cork team. I, yeah. I, I think that they have the uh, potential this year to do something pretty big. Yeah, it, it's sometimes it's forgotten. Like they did actually win the All Ireland like in the recent past. Like, yeah. and there's a lot of those players still there, and they're still they're the main guys in. It. And he's brought in a lot of the players from them in the last few years. I see Damien Callan now is back in on Sunday. A lot of time frame, a really really good player. Like, and then the, obviously the two Clancy's, John O'Rourke was excellent there last Sunday as well. Yeah, so like this core team is coming. Like, it's just whether you can get a shape in them for this summer. Like, yeah. All right, Carl, brilliant stuff. Thanks so much, Anthony Moyle. Thank you as well. Cheers. Lad. Andrew, that's the question that's going to be answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. Second Captains Football. Available on irishtimes.com, Second Captains, and iTunes from 6 p.m. tonight. Tonight, 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 tonight. So, Owen, when do you think full all-summer broadcasts of GA games began on RT? You've heard a lot of talk over the last few days about how generations of Irish people have been watching the GA. It's it's an all-summer long staple. Uh, how long do you think it's been since the GA have actually been doing that? As all summer being an RT. All summer being like since this, from the start of the championship to the end. Um, I guess that started maybe in the early nineties. Nineteen ninety-six. Yeah. So Less than 20 years. all of these people Well that's one generation Yeah all of these people in a blind blind rage About how they can only see They've been st- They're going to be starved of live television uh, on, Of live uh, G action on terrestrial t- TV Only 31 games In 1996 Ortiz started showing games in May and June So I think I think that's kind of an important point That I, I don't think I've seen raised anywhere else Uh over the last few days, or yeah, it still doesn't change that uh, that the, the they had something for free two years ago. Yeah, and now and they don't, don't. And, and don't now, but it, uh, yeah, puts in the context the idea that you know the people have been used to watching yeah. these games. It's, for, it's not like you know, it's not like the I Grand think, National being taken off terrestrial. I think TV. the more relevant point is probably that, uh, as we alluded to in the chat with the lads, that some of these games weren't being watched anyway necessarily. Uh, it's, it's not as though the GA show every single championship match on TV or those matches are shown on TV and now they've all been said there are plenty of games that you don't see um, yeah. and need to get along to or need to find or need to listen to the radio or need to find exactly you know and check it out online whatever it might be we've all experienced that situation where like just speaking for, from a a, a a Galway football fan perspective we've been knocked out of the qualifiers quite a few times over the last couple of years and all we get is you know, 90 seconds of highlights, well, I mean, that's all it's worth, maybe, but 90 seconds of highlights on the Sunday game that weekend and eight or nine months of effort and dedication and all the rest, it's summed up in those 90 seconds. And that's it then, you know, so more live games. I would love to see Sky showing 30 live games next year. We were talking on Monday show to Dennis Hickey who felt that Munster got their, well, the coaching team got the build-up wrong to the game against Leinster. Now, the, the whole Munster versus the Six Nations champions bit that Rob Penny was talking about. The referee was brought up, Alan Roland, in advance. You can't accuse Penny, anyway, of being bland pre-match because talking about the Leinster game and the penalties against his team this week, he says that there are pivotal moments. There was a scrum on halfway. We got penalised for 
uh, which is an easy one to give, etc., etc. He says the momentum can shift on a couple of calls, and in those tight games, they do. So let's hope Nigel, as in Nigel Owens, who's refereeing this weekend's game, has his game face on and is up for the battle. He went on to talk more generally about refereeing standards in the Northern Hemisphere and how the structure is lacking pretty badly. He says it's very difficult to get proper channels of communication open there and try to improve the whole thing. This is all in the build-up to the quarterfinal against Toulouse. Munster legend David Wallace is ready to talk to us about this. It seems, uh, David, that he is on something of a one-man crusade now about refereeing standards. Has, has he got a point? Um, look, uh, there's, there's obviously issues there. Um, and look, he's, he's, a, he's at the cutting edge of it and he's at the, the cold phase, but um, it's probably not ideal timing that this has kind of just come up before one of the biggest games of the season at Toulouse coming over in a, in a quarter final. Uh, luckily, it's Nigel Owen, so I think he, he'll, he'll read between the lines a bit. But look, he probably does have points. You know, when, when I read what he's saying that um, in the Rabo that there's, there's no head of referees, um, there's no one that they can really go to. There's guys in certain countries in, in, in Ireland are in Wales, um, but you know, when when it goes to Scotland or it goes to to Italy, you know, there's no one they can send the reports to. When they ask the, the referees, you know, whether they've read the reports, whether anyone has talked to them about reports on the games. Um, you know, they just they say no, and and you know the obviously messages aren't getting passed around. So you you would worry, obviously, in a, in a, in a very professional setup that the, the players are living in, um, they're being regulated by something that mightn't have the, the professional structures in place, and it's not really the referees' fault. It's it's the powers that be putting in the, the correct structure, I'd, I'd imagine. But obviously, the timing isn't brilliant. You know, they want to be focusing on rugby now. Yeah. Um, coming into into the into this weekend. It's interesting because I thought that those comments about uh, the report that he and his Munster team do up and how they, I think he used the phrase, disappear into the ether. I thought that was that was quite interesting, just as an insight into how things go on behind the scenes in, in a sport like rugby. But what, the very specific things he talks about when he says, he talked about, well, he criticised Roland after the match and he had also put a bit of pressure on him beforehand. Uh, oh, sorry, I think Anthony Foley had made a comment about Roland uh, lightheartedly, but he, um, Rob Penny criticised Roland afterwards and now says the momentum can shift on a couple of calls and in these tight games, they do. So let's hope Nigel has his game face on and is up for the battle. Of all referees, is there any need to try to get into the head of Nigel Owens like that? No, Nigel Owens is obviously he's, he's very headstrong and he's he's a very very competent referee. And, and most you know all the players will really respect him. And um, you know he's very very ear cribbing about uh, Nigel Owens refereeing, um, and everyone respects the way his attitude to to the way he he, he performs his job. Um, I I, should, he, I don't think he should be singling him out at all. You know, um, I think I think. Perhaps with Elaine Roland's uh, uh, the decision to put him in as a referee, you know, being an ex-Leinster player, it's it's not down to him. But I think if there is anything that goes wrong, it's unfair on the referee to have to have have, have him in that position as such, you know. And uh, I think you know, rightly or wrongly, you know, he he's on he's on a, he's on a loser yeah. both both ways, no matter how it goes. But I do agree that that the scrum um, decisions seem to be. Um, pretty much a lottery, and they are so important in today's game in, in, in giving momentum. And, and, and obviously, if you, there's so many penalties and free kicks in, around uh, scrums these days um, that, that the margins are so tight that if you get a, um, a penalty on the back of a of you know, a decision, right? I, I penalise you last time. I'm going to penalise you this time. It can swing a game, and it, it's 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 no way to I suppose to, to win to win a rugby match. Um, but sometimes, a lot of times, that these tight games are coming down to um, you know, decisions on on scrums. That you know, in fairness to referees, it, it, it they are very difficult. Whether you bring 
in somebody on the sideline who, who has scrum um, knowledge and maybe a, an, an ex-prop or something like that who, who can help out. I don't know, is, is there another way to do it? But um, it's certainly I don't I don't envy the referees in the scrum. I, I, I played my trade on the side of the scrum for many years. I still have no clue what's going on in there. But um, it, is, it is a tough job, to be fair. You mentioned the timing there is an issue that the focus should be on rugby and not these kind of... Um, I guess peripheral stories, but uh, what do you actually mean by that? I mean, would, does this affect the players in any way in the build-up? Is it better for the players not to have to hear about all of this? Why do you think the timing is a problem? Uh, look, I think I think the timing, certainly from the referee's point of view, you know, you don't want to be irking a referee coming into a game and you know um, sing, singling him out in, in media or whatever. Um, no, he didn't say anything critical, but you know, he, he kind of laid down a gauntlet as such. Um, and you know, it, it's I suppose it's it's something that you you would um, you tend to stay away from, and, and you you know, give the referee full respect and, um, and and make sure that he's he's um, you know that you know that you full faith in his competency um, to do a good job. And and as I said, that Nigel Owen is is, is one of the, was one of the top in in, in the world. Um, and you know, there's no need to be singling him out. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it is unfortunate that this has probably come up around now. And uh, you know, I, I, look, maybe that he, he's feeling he, he wants to leave Northern Hemisphere rugby in a better state. You know, going off to Japan, and, and he has he has um, has been frustrated over the over the last couple of years with 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 the way things are done here. Um, but look, I think there's, there's a time and a place, and um, you know, I prefer to to not let anything else be creeping in in terms of to, you know, I, I don't think the players are going to be distracted. Um, I think it, it, it may be something that might distract a referee, and you, you never know. You, you want him on your side, and and uh, I think, uh, as I said, singling out isn't going to help. The whole idea, the way rugby is refereed, it's interesting. I think we got a good sense of it during the match last weekend, during the Munster Leinster game. Uh, Alan Rowland took on the appearance of more like a, a strict schoolmaster and we were talking about this on Monday as though he was having to take care of some unruly children and it's a it's a weird way that re- I think a lot of other sports would love to have the sort of um, what rugby has in terms of how the captain generally will do the talking will be allowed to do the talking com- and communicate with the referee but is this something that's happening more and more now that the referee is becoming quite a central figure in the game even me it's the only sport I can think of really where you, you read a match preview and there could be a couple of paragraphs devoted to who the referee is and how he might influence things. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I think the referees are becoming, you know, well known now in the game as well as the players. Um, you know, and because obviously he's gone professional and they're doing more and more high-profile games regularly. And and I think um, players and you know, obviously coaches and media and the public get to know the referees and get to know. Probably a bit of their style and their demeanour and, and how they approach the game, and um, you know, I think Nigel Owen has, has a very good way about him. You know, he, he's, he's often he's often kind of comparing it on the on the field to soccer, and you know, telling players this isn't isn't soccer. The soccer pitch is five hundred metres that way. You know, and he seems to have a good way about him in in, in commanding respect. I think we can probably overdo it, and maybe some referees do overdo it in in, in their demeanour to the players, and it is a big part of the game. But um, yeah, unfortunately, as I said, the margins are so tight now in some of the games in, in these these top class games um, that that it does come down to refereeing decisions a lot of the time, and 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 more often than not, they they could be at the scrum time or or the breakdown, which is obviously a very very difficult situation too for referees. There's so much going on. How do you think Munster are set? 
look, when you, when you look at the teams on paper, you kind of go, oh my God, um, you know, they, they really do have, two have such a strong team. Uh, you look at their back line and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's almost the French back line. Um, and you, you kind of, you worry, but look, this is, this is what the, what Monster thrive on. And this is, uh, what the public and Monster thrive on to have a team like Toulouse and it's surprising to to know that it's their first time coming here with, with the I suppose rich tradition both both teams have in, in this competition as their first first trip to Thoman Park. Um and I think that, that certainly the supporters will be up for it and, and uh, obviously the team will be as well and, and they'll be looking to, to welcome them and hopefully give them a, a bit of a shock, I suppose in the in the opening twenty, thirty minutes of the game where, you know, it could be could be won and lost. Um because I, th- I think certainly in, when you play in Cauldron like like Common Park and have gone away to to play them um, and Leinster have to do that this weekend down in in, uh, in Toulon mm-hmm. and you, you kind of go you know it, it it just it does it does influence you it, it does get to your composure a little bit as a team and you can maybe start to make small mis- errors or small mistakes come out of the line or whatever it is um, you know when fa- when faced in that in that uh, I suppose that. The cauldron of and intensity of, of opposition. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that that can happen, Dave. Because we, when you look at it, you always think logically and professionally, it shouldn't make that much of a difference where you play the match. But going away to somewhere like Toulon, actually, it genuinely is a different deal to playing a team like that at home. Yeah, I just had I just had a quick look back there, kind of reminiscent um, two thousand eleven game when we played there yeah. and. There's about there's about ten minutes at the start of the clip, which just gives you a bit of a feel for the um, for the ground and and the way they approach Monster coming to their ground. I don't know if it's like that for every game, but certainly it was intense. And and as the game went on, it was really intense. And I just you know kind of looked at at some of their tries and and you could put a lot of it down to you know maybe guys just coming out of the line, being a bit over eager, you know, losing your composure, losing your 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 calm sense of mind and. Uh, and making mistakes, and and obviously when you have teams like Toulouse and Toulon with the backs that they have, you know if you make one slight little error, um, you know they're in behind you, and it's it's game over, unfortunately. All right. So how many Irish teams are getting through? Give, um, give us two anyway, David. Well, I I I I do think um, Ulster are are, are going to get through. You're looking at the team; they're, they're very very strong. They obviously Tommy Bow and Stephen Ferris back as well. Um, and actually, looking at the teams on paper, you kind of go. You, you would, I think, I would back Ulster. Saracens um, have, obviously have to go away, and I think Ulster will be looking to get back one over on them after last year. Um, I'm going to go with a with a home home win anyway for for Munster. Um, uh, I I think it is going to be very difficult. Um, if they do lose, <laughs> you couldn't blame them going on the strength of this Toulouse team. But you know they are struggling a bit in the in the French Championship. But but they um, they always take this competition very seriously of all the French teams, and um, you know they are really going to come over. and They're not going to lay down. Um, and Toulon again, obviously champions. Uh, Leinster have to go away to them. If there's any team in the competition, you would say that could go down to Toulon and beat them. It would be Leinster. Um, Again, I think it's going to be a ridiculously close game, but you know, I'll, I'll give it to Leinster. Right. So we're going to go three, three home teams. Three, 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 three out of three. Three out of three. Sounds good. No, David, great stuff. Listen, great to That's talk to you. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Alan. Thanks. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. What Rob Penny was saying. We don't want to sensationalise it. He could have said what Bernard Laporte had said about a referee, which sees him banned from the stadium. Bernard Laporte these days is the Toulon head coach. Described a referee recently as hopeless and incompetent. 
after a loss against Grenoble. He robs us every time. On the game's last move, there was a strategic error, a referee error. It is not just this incident where he was hopeless. He was hopeless in all the matches. He is always hopeless. Yeah, you, you would think maybe a, a stadium ban is a logical outcome, but Murad Boujadal, the very wealthy benefactor of Toulon, isn't taking it lying down. Listen to this one, Ken. I'm calling on the President of the Republic, the guarantor of institutions, to ask him if it is conceivable in a country like France to ban someone from speaking. He's been asked to keep absolute silence before, during and after games. This is a first, a penalty tailor-made for Bernard Laporte. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the point that the President might make is that uh, Bernard Laporte can say whatever it is he likes, but at the same time, the President of the Republic can't interfere in the rules of um Yeah, the point might be he hasn't been put in jail here. He's yeah. been told not to come to the stage. presidential pardon for a touch I bat. This organisation has sort of uh, has made its own rules regarding what you can and can't say about referees. He's not allowed to go to the stadium a couple of times or one time. Mm. Um, he hasn't been uh, thrown in a dungeon, sent to Devil's Island. Uh, you know, Guillotined. There's, there's not really, there's no place for La Republique to step in and uh, take not in this one maybe if maybe if they lose in the hiding yeah I mean maybe they can revisit the situation then Ken what's going to play around that's yeah (laughs) they have asked for that really well you can laugh I'm I'm a little bit of an idealist but having said that I want to be like me what are you doing down here, you shiny man? <laughs> so, uh, great win for Paris last night against Chelsea. Paris is what I'm going to call them now, and that's what they want to be called. I'm going to go along with their rebranding strategy. We forget about PSG. Saint Germain is out of here. Who cares about Saint Germain? You know. Boulevard de Saint Germain. Who cares? That sounds pretty. It's just one street. Isn't that French? It's just one little area. French hip hop group Saint Germain. No. Uh, yeah, there's, I think there's a band called. There's a band. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Either way, they're going to. They're about to get airbrushed from history. Uh, yeah. Look, Paris is, is what it's about. Actually, the atmosphere of the Chelsea Paris Paris mm. Paris Chelsea game was amazing. It was like a big French rugby match. You know, it was like that real sort of guttural roars from the crowd greeting everything. And of course, it kind of. A brilliant win in the end for Chelsea or for for Paris, and an extremely beef, an extremely angry uh, and extremely sarcastic Jose Mourinho. All right, that's coming up a little bit later on. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, Owen. thank you, Kieran. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks very much for listening. Check us out on Twitter at Second Captains, Facebook.com forward slash Second Captains. We will have the football Second Captains football ready for you a little bit later on today. So we'll chat to you then. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.